Hi everyone, sorry I'm a bit late. It's my fault. I got various things. We got stuck late and I couldn't get started on time. But um, speaking of doing things a bit too late, there's a bit of news in involving Leeds United. I'm Jack, joined by KC. How you doing, mate? Fucking fantastic. Uh, oh, I, I mean, I figured you'd be well on board and very, very, very happy with the, the way everything is shaken out. Yeah. Um, the performance, the manager, the director of football, the whole thing. Love yep. it. So, um, go straight to news, or do you want to briefly talk about the game itself first? Ah, uh, we might as well talk about the game. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> that was a laugh, wasn't it? After the Leicester game, which I said, if we don't win this, we're down. We then got a bit lucky with the results. So, Bournemouth was sort of a second chance of, if we don't win this, we're down. Anyway, Bournemouth 4, Leeds 1. Um... Leeds did finally change something to try and make it work. Leeds played in a 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, yeah, Christensen played as the right centre-back, Cock, Cooper, and then a four of Ailing, McKenney, Rocker, Harrison, some of them right and onto left Bamford up top. And what, for 20 minutes, Leeds were probably slightly the better side? Yeah. I would say that is a fair assessment. Yeah, I mean, we, they... we, got, we, we, we were in their half probably more than they were in ours. Um, I don't think either keeper was really tested all that much, but um, yeah, the, the game seemed to be under control. Yeah. And there was a just weird quirk of circumstances. We watched this game with your mum. Yeah. Uh, and we were talking about how if Leeds concede one goal, they completely fall apart. So anyway, <laughs> long ball well, to Philip Billing. Well, that you know, I'll, I will start you slightly earlier than that. Really stupidly, oh, Patrick Bamford has a shot that is saved. Yeah. <laughs> and it all stemmed from that. And the yeah, that's here's never shoot. That's how shit we are ball. out of possession. How shit we are out of possession is you can't even have a shot. No, don't, don't, don't just keep the ball. Should we shoot? Um, no, never. Yeah. Um, it's within thirty-four seconds as well. Is that how quick it was? It was. Uh, I I went back and looked at this goal because there was a person I thought was I was really mad at in real time. And having watched it back, I still think they made the wrong decision, but I'm really mad at a different person. Oh, uh, I, all right, I will say I've got names in my head here. I know the first one. Yeah, because you were sat there. Because we, we were sat there both berating. Um, we will call them uh, Mrs. X and Mr. McKenney. Anyway, <laughs> uh, um, but I have a strong suspicion that having watched the replay, you might be uh, mad at the same person as I am, but go on. Yeah, so long ball up to Philip Billing. He wins either. Fair enough. He's fucking massive. Solanke dribbles away from a few players. It's not great defensively, but they sort of force him away from goal and into a less dangerous area. Pull back to Billing. Cooper makes a good block. All of that is fair enough. 
as that ball is being blocked, Weston McKenney was stood on the edge of a box with Christensen at the back near Christie in a decent position to sort of deal with it. But Weston McKenney sprints back to the six-yard line uh, towards Christie, leaving this giant hole on the edge of a box where Jefferson Lerma has all the time in the world to pick his spot and finishes it well. Now, in real time, I was just shouting, why the fuck has Weston McKenney sprinted back to the six-yard line? Now, having watched it back, Christensen isn't actually that tight to Christie. Judgment call. The guy who's on the edge of the box or the guy who's eight yards out. I can see how you go for the guy who's eight yards out. I'm okay. You know what would make him not have to make that decision whatsoever? If Lou Feeling wasn't fucking walking back. Walking. Fuck me. This is what one of the big things. Luke Haley, God, he always gives his all for the club. He's been such a hero, all of that. That was fucking pathetic. That is, I would have, if I watched that replay back at half time, I'd have subbed him and that would have been that. He's like, I'd be, how the, I cannot fucking believe what I was watching. He wasn't like, I know he was playing further up the field, but he wasn't playing like right forward. He'd not been he'd not been moved to the right wing yet. He was he was still a wing back. Um, and by the way, yes, that absolutely was the person I was also thinking of because you're just watching in the corner of the screen going, "Wait, why? Why is Luke Ayling twenty five yards further forward than every other defender? Mm. He's just so massively out of position." Um, I can live with does... someone being out of position. Mistakes I mean, happen. Try to get back, though. I think there is the moment when he sees it going towards Lerma. He starts running. Yeah. And, uh, oh, no. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, too little, too late. Uh, also, like... uh, sorry, just to timestamp this, it is Arsenal 2, Chelsea 0. Oh, the, I've got it on Sky Goal, which will be about a minute behind. I'll see that second goal shortly. It's, First goal, uh... Odegaard was lovely. It's uh, an excellent result for us because obviously it keeps Chelsea in the relegation fight. Yeah. Um, and we need yeah, all the help we can get. I always think it's important to say when, because I put on Twitter like, what the fuck is McKenney doing? Oh, I, I might not have phrased it like that, but basically that's what I said. And now I understand, and having seen it back with from a wider angle. In fact, I think I did put on our Twitter, I'd need to see it back on a better angle like to give myself a bit of wiggle room. But I fully believed what I was saying. I think I was just giving myself you know, some hedge to back through. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, um, I, I still think McKenny. Oh, there's, there's the two now. There we go again. Um, the, I still think McKenny, because of where Christensen is, I think McKenny would have still been better staying on the edge of the box, but I understand the decision. That was making a judgment call and it went against him. The thing Ailing did isn't a judgment call. That was just fucking lazy. Uh, it's, it's and really... I am aware of the irony of me as a fat bloke calling a professional athlete lazy. I don't mean physically. It's up. It was in his head. He thought, "Ah, oh, I don't need to chase back here." I thought, "I'll get away with it." Yeah, it's 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 an issue that we, in terms of McKenny's positioning, it's an issue we've had going back to Jesse Marsh, where <laughs> either Adams and Rocker would be too far forward and not get back and not be able to get back at all or they would fall into a line and there would just be a line of six and a lot of space at the edge of the penalty area. It's something that's happened week after week. Mm. Um, and it it is 
about positional discipline. It's and it's something I have to talk about my kids see with a look. And I know the stakes are slightly different here. I understand that you've assessed the situation, seeing that you know Christensen might not be doing his job, but you still need to do yours, and that is defend the edge of the penalty area. Well, or in Luke Ayling's case, get back yeah. at all. I suppose that was very much a Bielsa thing, wasn't it? You know what your job is. But the problem with that was it was so rigid that when someone really did actively screw up, it broke everything. So um, we have seen this a lot. Leeds score one goal. As soon as that one goal went in, everyone watching the game was saying, we'll fall apart now. You can just see it coming. Uh, we have kept conceding goals in bunches. And this was no different. An actively bad corner from Christie. Over hit, straight to Melier. No one challenging him. No pressure. Flap. 2-0. Uh, yeah, no, when, when it drops to Lerma, no one's on him. There's, all, there's, a, there's little tiny other things wrong. But no, it's just shit goalkeeping. And... The poor lad. I, I genuinely, I feel sorry for Melier. I really do. His head has gone. He need you need to take him out. You need to put Robles in because I know he had one. He had a decent game against Leicester, but that is the exception. He has had like what maybe seven, seven of the last eight. You could say he's had bad games. Hmm. You you can't you can't just let it ride like that. I mean, obviously the levels are different, but we have seen it before when we had. Different keepers, you know, when we had Viedvald and they had to drop him. When we then had Lonergan came in and we had to drop him. And that's how Peacock Farrell got in and all of that. If you remembered, and this is going way back to when Paul Robinson came in, was was a a very flappy goalkeeper at times because, again, he was a young goalkeeper that was playing in front of a a very porous defence. Yeah. Um, You know, it it happens and it really does affect your judgment. And And again, you look to the Leicester game where we said he had a, a better, you know, a better performance. And that's because most of what he had to face was shot stopping. And I think, you know, well, unfortunately we'll get to the fourth goal, but he, yeah. is, he is on the whole, a very good shot stopper and shot stopping is a very instinctive, uh, you know, an, an instinctive action as opposed to when you're dealing with crosses or you've got someone running at you and you're trying to, you're making a longer term decision. In terms of do I come, do I do I stay, do I punch, do I catch, yeah. and it and it's those decisions that 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 go when you lose your confidence. Yeah. Um, by the way, it's three 0 Arsenal because we because above all else we are right about Frank Lampard. Um, so yeah, it's gone. Melier, his head's gone. Like he's about to face Man City away. I think it's just time he needs a break. But you did we? I did say. If you get one before half-time, Bournemouth aren't good, cannot defend. Like, they're not good at it. If you get one before half-time, we saw at Ellen Road that they can be a bit fragile. I mean, they were 3-1 up and cruising. We scored a goal and they've kind of fell apart. And we not only got one, but we got a really nice one. I think it was Harrison brought forward. But have we already switched to 4-4-2 at this point? Um... I mean, looking at as I'm looking at the goal now, 
Somerville is also in a very central area, and Luke Ayling is the third furthest player forward. Well, we so... probably have been, because we noticed it in real time. Basically, Leeds went to a 4-4-2. Harrison dropped from left wing back to a pure left back, and Ayling moved forward to like an out-and-out right midfield role, which looked very odd and lopsided, but that's what we did. And... Harrison brought the ball forward down the left, out to Nonto, who they don't close down. Nonto puts in a fantastic cross. Uh, Bamford's got away from his marker, free header. And admittedly, it did surprise me because of recent events. He just very calmly heads it in the corner in the way that an informed striker would. It's a good finish. It's just a good goal. But the um, from there... Other than from one corner when it's already 3-1, where Cock had one saved and Nonto had one saved, from the moment we got it to 2-1, did we ever really look like scoring? The I'd say the only other chance was Nonto had that header that he should have hit the target with. Oh, shit, yeah, no, you're right. That was at 2-1. That was the big chance. I forgot about that. Uh, that was crossed to the back post. Ailing heads it back across and Nonto heads it wide, wasn't it? Yeah, and he's probably got a bit more space. I, d- I don't know if he's a bit worried about the challenge coming in, but I think he's actually got more time than he than he realizes for that. Yeah. Um, so no, you're right. You... That was a bit. That was a huge chance. Actually, it, it just slipped my mind. So, so yeah, Nonto misses that very big chance. Uh, and you just again, we we aren't particularly playing well, but while ever it's two one, you've got a chance. And you're just thinking, push on, put them under pressure, don't do what's silly. Well, I'll I'll tell you what, before before moving on then, it's now half-time, you've gone in and you've got yourself somewhat back into the game. You've given yourself a chance. Are you making any changes at that point? Well, I, I try not to do wise after the fact, although let's be right, we all do things like that. At this point, when we're in that 4-4-2 where Ailing is the right midfielder, I did say in the pub, you know, like, put Somerville right midfield. If if Somerville is going to end up right up with Bamford, or even if Nonto's going to end up right up with Bamford, either way, if Ailing's going to be basically playing as a right midfielder, I can't see a reason not to bring on like Rodrigo immediately, put Rodrigo up with Bamford and play Nonto and Somerville wide. Yeah, I, th- I think for me at this point, and the one the one thing I've got to give Graffia credit for, he made a tactical change to this game before the game, and and to an extent it was working up until up until the goal and they came and they collapsed. <laughs> Yeah, which we have said that a few times, haven't we? Yeah. The number again, of games we've ha- lost, where we've lost, by, and not just lost, lost by a distance, and said, you literally, we were better side up until the goal. Even Arsenal. Yeah. The Arsenal away game, we were, the Arsenal away game, we weren't the better side. But we were, we'd have as many chances as Arsenal up until the goal, and then they just battered us. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, so I, I've got to give Graffy a credit there. He made the switch to the back three. Um, to start with, we 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 have spoken many times about the about playing Harrison as as a wing back, um, 
And, and I quite like Harrison and, and Nonsell playing together. It's a very attacking mm. left-hand side. Um, yeah. Bit but, suspect defensively, but you, you think that's sort of a trade-off, isn't it? Of, of course it is, because Jack Harrison has spent very little time in his professional career of playing as, as a as a wing-back. But I think for me, once you get to the point where you're looking at the team, and, and this is one of the issues I, I, I've had with Bielsa many a time when it came down to injuries and stuff is, You've now got this setup where you've got a right back on the right wing. You've got a winger who just a few days before had had played a very good game on the right wing is now playing at left back. And your right winger who started that get who started this game is now playing a striker. Yeah. So so you're kind of all over the shop. And I did, and I did feel with one substitution. I, I, I thought you could have moved switched all that around. Time. Whether and 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 again, there's an argument whether. So would you have been further on for Ailing? Harrison goes to the right wing, or left wing, and Nanto goes across yeah, either way. I'd, or Somerville goes. It doesn't really matter which one. Furpo back and Harrison up. I think at this point it is only one sub, and there's there's an argument as to whether. It's Furpo, which is the obvious one because he would be the only, that's the only one where you've not got a natural left back on the pitch. The other positions you've got players for that role. Yeah. You could have brought Rodrigo on to, to play with Bamford and you go to Ailing playing as a left back and just I, I must know, admit, have... I, I don't think you could play Ailing left back and from what I saw well, Christensen when he was there, I don't think he could have either. Um and and again, maybe Aronson. Because yeah. he likes Aronson. It's again, it's not the change I would have made, but but if, what if he... he makes for what it's worth is zero changes. Although Verba does replace Cooper in the thirty-fourth minute because Cooper went off. So again, that's one of our sub breaks used. One of our yeah. precious substitution breaks has been used. Not that it affects us, of course, for this discussion because we're discussing half time, which doesn't count as one. Yeah, um, <laughs> we, we we did also talk. Did also bring up the uh, concept that. Maybe he thinks they'd roll over. So by the time it comes to the Man City game, we will have like five substitution breaks um, that we can use. But um, yeah. unfortunately, that is not the rule. But anyway, he, he he perseveres with with the team as is. Yeah, um, and yeah, then we there's not much in the game. They're better than us, but we're not looking amazing. Third goal. Long kick from Neto. Verba, as far as I can tell, just falls over. Uh, Watara's in behind down that right-hand side. He looks good, by the way. I haven't really seen a great deal of him. He looks good player. But this pullback isn't particularly great. Cox stretching for it. If Christensen gives him a shout, Cox can leave it and Christensen just clears that ball and there's no danger. I have to assume that Christensen didn't give him a shout. So Cox stretches out a toe, just taps it straight to Solanke. Good informed striker scores. That's the game. Uh, must win game and you're dead. We have that one corner where Cock has an effort, Nonto has an effort, two good saves. But we never really look like doing much. I mean, that, that goal of Solanke's is 63rd minute. Uh, on the 70th minute, Forshaw comes on for McKenney. Rodrigo for Bamford again. I know that we're in the shit, but we're 3-1 down in a game where you have to get something. 
instead of bringing on an extra attacker, he takes off Bamford and replaces him with Rodrigo instead of playing them both. Very negative for me. Um, and we just, in that, it, uh, the game just became, I, I I mean, in the ground, it will have turned into something different. When we were watching it, it turned into gallows humour and just taking the piss out of how bad we are. In the stadium, it didn't really come through at full, uh, away at Fulham. It did, it did in this. You could hear all the chants for Arta to go. You could hear all the chants against the board. You could hear the chants for Marcelo Bielsa. Um, the last goal, the last goal doesn't really affect anything, so I won't dwell on it too long. But Semenyo shit shot straight down the middle, and Melier basically throws it in the net. There's also uh, the build up in, in the for the pass. Robin Cox just seems to sprint two, three yards across away from Semenyo, yeah, and then he's just absolutely nowhere near him. Yeah. Um. But, but like you say, at this point... It's, at it's, that point, I'd switch, I had switched off at that this point. This is near as makes no difference. Um, the, the daft thing is, and again, I'm not getting into all the changes I would have made. We Like you say, we, we make the double sub. Quite why when you're in a relegation battle and you're chasing a game and you have at least two players on the bench who can play as a striker... Three, if you well, th- probably four. You can go Greenwood. You've got Rutter, Rodrigo, Aronson. Like you have all these players who who are equipped to play as a striker, and only one of them comes on. And it's, the one that does replaces a striker. Yep, yeah, like for like. So the the system never changes. Um, you know, look at the, at this point of the season, and and I fully agree with Bielsa the, the principle that if you if you start chopping and changing your your tactics. It, it'll leave the players with no confidence in the plan. At some point, though, you've just got to think, look, it does not matter how we get, how we try and get goals from this game. We just have to. I didn't, I wouldn't have cared at that point if it's, right, Pascal Strauch, get up there. We are going to launch balls up to you and we are going to have Nonto and, and um, we're going to have Nonto and Somerville, you know, either side of you and, we're going to hope they get on the knockdowns. Well, stick, you're basically saying stick like big Chris Samba up front. Yeah, I can't think. Uh, I can't think what manager did that. No. Maybe it'll come up <laughs> later. Um, you know, I, and that's absolutely <laughs> not how I want football to be played. You know, I, I, I am one of the the thousands who have now been spoiled by magical football and <laughs> and want high pressing, high tempo football. Yeah. When you're three one down in a relegation scrap, I don't care if I don't care if Ilan Melier smashes one and it bounces over the keeper and goes in. I just want a goal. <laughs> and we seem to do very little to actually try and create goal scoring opportunities. I'm not sure that we do little to try and create things. I mean we do, but I think it's because they've just gone, they're incapable. I mean, um the thing Ali says here I think is true. The problem is a weak pairing in midfield. Everyone wins the midfield battle against us. We need battles in there, preferably three of them. I I think you're right. Even if Rocker and McKenney are capable, they are both capable of being better than they are right now. But it isn't working. And I, I completely agree with Ali there. I think there are a million problems, but right now that is a big one, which makes it all the more stunning to me that at no point have we gone with a three, apart from the Fulham away FA Cup game. Um, the, only, the, only, the only way I see 
a two-man midfield working like this now, well, ever with those two, is that they are both holding midfielders in front mm. of a back three. And that is their job to sit in front of your three central defenders and then your attacking threat is your two wing backs, your wingers and your striker. Yeah, you let everyone else go. Yeah, because... Rocker well, that's a, basically Antonio Conte's formation. Yeah. yeah. Which, again, spectacular what, as it is. That's what he does. Um, and again, it, it's it's not how I would set it up. But if that's if that's the, the team you're giving me and those are the two central midfielders you're giving me to work with, that's the only way I see how it works. Because as, as good a passer as the ball as Mark Rocker is, he does not have the legs for this. And the amount of times they've been caught upfield and they don't have the legs to get back. And because point... Rocker's because Rocker's getting desperate, Marley, you can see it in the way he's playing. Where at the start of the season, he would have played a pass. He is now turning down passes and trying to turn and play a more complicated pass because we're not creating out, so he's desperate to create something, which is leading to bad decisions, which leads to him losing the ball more than he used to. And it's just, uh, it's just not it's, working. It's, twice, it's, you know, in the last couple of games, the, the one in, the one at Leicester um, was the quite bad. And, yeah. yeah, and he did, and he did it again against Bournemouth, and, and you were there going, you you had the five-yard pass in front of you there, just play that. Yeah, like, that you, did the bit, you actually did it right first, and then you added yeah. more and ruined it. Um, and then, and yeah, I never thought I'd be comparing um, someone who was as highly touted as Mark Rocker was um, earlier in his career. But then you see Adam Forshaw, sort of, he knows how to do the turn, turns out of danger, simple pass. Um, but but again, the the issue is, I look I look at any of our midfield options. If you were going to make it a three, like. What central midfielder adds dynamism to that? The only one I can think of, and I don't want him in the middle of the park, is Brendan Aronson. There's there's some kid. There's a kid that plays in 21s. (laughs) Like, what's... Like, Jabby or something. I I, I don't know. Um, There's a thing that Ali said. Rocker is putting awful awful balls in the box to waste no chance for set pieces. His set pieces have not been good, but I'll tell you what, they've been better than the people who were taking him beforehand. We have have had chances from a couple of set pieces recently, which is um, more... Basically, we've only got Sam Greenwood in the entire squad that can actually take a good set piece, and Rocker is probably second. That is not me praising Rocker's set pieces. It's me burying everyone else's. I mean, at any uh, point I mean, when... We, we miss Tyler Adams so goddamn much. I I think that that is bigger than... I think that that is better than... Ali saying not better than Greenwood. Yes, that's what I said. I agree. <laughs> I said everyone except Sam Greenwood. Um, the entire point... We've had missing Adam so much. I can't believe how reliant we were on him. I I didn't realize quite how bad that was because I think that's more important than, by the looks of it, that's been more important than going from Marsh to Graffia. That's been more important than anything because you look at our, you look at the performance data, not just not the results because the results we still got some good ones. The performance data, literally, the day he goes away, it's off a cliff. He, yeah, 
you you really noticed the effect he had in in the games when we were sort of back to the wall because he was our all action central midfielder who made the tackles, made the blocks, broke up play, was a bit of a dickhead as well. You know, he sort of fulfilled the Mateus click role of, you know, how can I stall the game and wind people up? Um, But for the most part, with the style that we played, we were typically a team on the front foot. So more often than not, you'd think he was a bit quieter. But yeah, I think I'm in the same boat as you at this point that I hadn't realised how much he did, even in those games where we were on the front foot. Um, he was he provided so much energy to that team. Yeah, that and just he could actually fucking tackle. Yeah, McKenny can sometimes. I mean, Rocker, I mean, Rocker just... will try and tackle, but he can't tackle. He tackles like Paul Scholes. Oh, I mean, he, that, he doesn't that... shirk him. He just misses the ball. Well, then, well, that was it. I mean, we <laughs> when we went to that uh, preseason friendly against Blackpool, we were looking at the tackles he was putting in. You they going, mate? This is the first preseason friendly of the year. I'm putting you down for ten yellow cards at least this season. Yeah. Um, and then as, as it goes, he sort of eased up from there. Well, uh, I mean, it says but... a lot just as a thing on our bets. Opening game of the season, Wolves at home. My bet is Mark Lockett to get booked. Like, that's what he looked like. Um, but, you know, there's a there's a few in... There's more than one in the comments talking about it. But, yeah, there was no proper recruitment backup in case Adams was injured, similar to, K, to KP. And he's right. Because last season, if you look at the performances again, although there were bad ones all the way through, you look at the when did Calvin Phillips get injured and it goes down. Hmm. And even at the end when he wasn't playing particularly well, it improved when he came back. And just the lack of squad building is such a massive problem. And it appears that finally, after a while, the club agrees. Because Victor Orton has left his role as director of football by mutual consent. And like, although there is blame apportioned all the way around, he is the main man to blame for this going wrong. He he builds the squad, you know that that is his job. He, he yes, he works with the manager, um, and judging by a number of our transfers, sometimes does not work with the manager, mm. um, and brings in the the players for the positions we need. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But it's tough to ignore at the moment. Obviously, one, the position we've been in for the last couple of years when we were screaming out for a backup striker. We were screaming out for depth at central midfield. Another left left back. What do you mean, another? A. (laughs) Listen, Junior Furpo was there. (laughs) <laughs> Some of the time. You can't it was injured. It was well, injured half the season. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um but it's you look at this squad and, and look, I you know, I'm fully aware this wasn't Grathia's team. That being said, the the model again that that you buy these players in and call them projects if you want to. You buy these players in, get them on a three or four year contract, 
and tried to turn them over in two and and double your money or whatever. How does that work on a thirty-five million pound player, especially when you don't play him? Well, basically, for that to work on a thirty-five million player, they have to be a fucking world beater. Like, look, it absolutely works with Rafinha because we, you know, we dropped... he turned out to be a world beater. He, he turned out to be fantastic, but at eighteen million <laughs> by Premier League prices, that's pretty cheap for, for the way, quality. Just... That's one thing, just you mentioning that, it's a thing that I wanted to bring up on here, and I, th- I know I have said it, but I can't remember if I've said it on here. That is one thing that surprises me about how much people hate Matt Locker. Matt Locker's a £10 million player in the Premier League. That's meant to be a backup. Yeah, that that's... You, you know what I mean? like he, He's on decent wages, but, he, but I think if Matt Locker had had the exact same performance level but not been starting every week, started some some off the bench... I think everyone would be going, well, he's not been good, but meh. Rather yeah. than he is pu- but someone everyone hates. Um, I just I just think it's interesting because you're saying like 18 million isn't that much. And we have got, like, look at the players that we said. Like, Sinistera was, well, roughly that money, wasn't he? He was about 17. Yeah. And he has been really good, but he's made a glass. We... We gambled on a lot of players, and they just weren't the right ones. No, um, and I think, and I think one of the big issues has been how since we got to the Premier League, how many players have we bought that played in the Premier League? Uh, I can probably find exactly that. Because I have a tab open from LUFC data, which I believe his actual name's Chris Taylor, isn't it? And he has every transfer on his website that oh. you can search for as like you can search Victor Orta and it'll bring up every <laughs> single transfer. Every single transfer with him there. So since the Premier League, uh I mean technically held a Costa is one and John Kevin and John Kevin Augustan, but you know, they were both done in the championship. Hmm. As was Melier, wasn't he? Because he was on loan that season. As was Harrison. So uh, in that case, um, I mean, it is, most of them have played. But oh, no, I, I mean, as in prior to their arrival, who had Premier oh. League experience? Right. No, no, no. Because right now, as I look through, as I look through this team, no, no, it's no. Joel Robles, uh, Daniel James. Oh, fair. So we're at two. Daniel James. Uh, with, a, with a full year that had played specifically in the Premier League, it's Joel Robles and Dan James. You know, I I fully, as, as a football manager player, I am fully on board with signing young players or projects to, to get them played and sell them on for, for profits. I can't say I'm against the idea but you need to supplement your squad with players that that maybe you're not looking to turn over, that you're probably going to keep longer term, but who have some knowledge of the league at that point, that yeah. have some experience. There is nothing wrong with signing a 30-year-old footballer. You, not no. every, you're not going to make a profit on every player, and that's absolutely fine. If we, you know, if we'd have gone out and bought a 30-year-old central defender 
or a 29 year old central midfielder who'd played a few years in the Premier League. Well, although he's absolutely per- fine. Although he's by no means perfect, the example we used at the time was Craig Dawson, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, we were just saying, like, someone like that, just to be in your squad, he doesn't necessarily have to start every game. But that, those sorts of people, and that's what we're missing. Well, it's one of many things. But so Orton has gone. Uh, we have no idea who's going to replace him. By the way, that is more. Imp- that's probably more important than who replaces the coach. Well, like... that that as well is is very much going to be a thing that comes up in the summer because it, it entirely depends on the ownership model and who's in charge. Um, um, fair when... point, Nathan Bremner's ghost. Experience, experience us look at like I know it's a different era of football, but bringing in Chapman and Strachan. Yeah. But we're they, missing they were... those sorts of. Yeah, um, you know, look, and and again, you look at the players that left. Who, you know, Pablo was in the Premier League experience, one of the few, as it turned yeah. out. Um, you know, we we let experienced players go to bring in younger players who. Typically, were joining us having not played particularly well for where they'd come from. Yeah, well, you know, Junior Firpo came to us because he had not done well at Barcelona. Yeah, you know, we, it, we sat the Porter's project, reclamation project. We have very few times where we've signed the teams, and some of that in the Premier League you have to do go out and get someone else's best player. Now, you know, at our level, we're not going to do that to Premier League teams, but you can do it to teams in Europe. Like, I don't know if he's actually the best player, but going and getting Sinistera, you're going and taking one of Feyenoord's best players. Cool. Rafinha was taking one of Ren's best players. We we don't seem to do that. In, in We haven't seemed to do that nearly enough, going out and taking someone who has been, like, you know, really good. Like, even though, and I admit to not knowing loads about him, but by the looks of it, having looked into him, what what Bournemouth did in January when they got Dango Watara was go out and get Lorient's best player. You, you sort of need a bit of that. And I think that, oh, unfortunately for him, so... Obviously, there are good things in there, but I think he—I think he was trying to be way too clever. And then, unfortunately, because he seems to be so all or nothing with his decisions. If he, like Bielsa, is an all or nothing decision that worked, and then switching from that to Red Bull football is an all or nothing decision that didn't. Mm. And. Unfortunately, he has to. He has to carry. He has to carry the can for that, and he has now. Overall, when you think, I mean, it's it's a bit close right now. When you think of Victor Orta at Leeds, what overall do you think will be your sort of overall grade? God, I said overall a lot then. I mean, overall, I've got to think. Yeah. <laughs> um... It's probably it's probably a C because the, there is a number of players who let's be right we you know we we 
never heard of or knew very little about who became who who were good players and for some reason or another like it I would say it's it would be very harsh if you said Samu Saez was a bad signing I don't think it worked out but it didn't work out in the end but well we paid like three and a half million he was really good for a year and then he was still pretty decent for most of half a year. But and and his head went. And his head went. And then we probably got what a million or so back. Yeah. Like I, I, I think if you said Samu Saez was a bad signing, I'd I'd probably take issue with that. The, you know, the, the 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 best example will probably be Jani Alioski. Uh, of someone I can't say I knew anything about who who rocked up as as part of a number of signings. Yeah. And he, with with his faults as a player, it was well loved. Was a regular most weeks under various managers. Yeah, and played not every game, but you could go as far as saying week in, week out. By the looks of this, according to this, he was three point two million. He played basically week in, week out for four years. Mateus Clicks. That's a bargain. Mateus Clicks, another one. You know, obviously, you've got to include in there that he had his issues with Chris uh, with Christensen. Yeah. Um, but under Bielsa was his most trusted player. Mm. You know, no one played more than he did. Um, but you then have to contend with that the fact that we spent twenty five million pounds on on Dan James, which was absolutely ridiculous amounts of money and if that was a thing that Bielsa was obsessed with which may well be true it sounded like it probably was yeah he has to be willing to say no when it was 10 when it was 7 to 10 million I was fully on board but mm. now it's 25 and I'm not anymore um yeah the, and you know the, the biggest thing that in terms of transfers that will that will you know that was the downfall for him Jean Kevin Augustin. Yeah, like let's be honest, that is gross incompetence. Like you could you would be well within your rights to have sacked him purely for that one. Now again, again, I I don't know in terms of the legalities of this because the, the whole thing during COVID seemed very odd that you know that the prime example was that Leo Messi's contract clauses were not upheld because of the dates, but and we couldn't, was... sign Jack, we couldn't sign Jack Harrison from Man City and had to take him on loan for an extra season with three million added to the fee because the clause expired because the season ran long. Yeah. And, so and they, I, that's why I was surprised. That's why I genuinely, when I first heard about it, thought we were going to win that case. But but again, it, it very quickly became apparent that Bielsa didn't fancy him. So, so to gamble so much and, and look if you'd have if you'd have paid a high fee just a, a high loan fee for him without the yeah um you know it's um it's a different story all of a sudden but you, Eddie you Eddie how, and Ketia. you see how what we're on the hook for now is yeah. is down to that contract yeah 40 million uh, for what was it 48 minutes yeah 
I mean, they, there was a lot. Well, obviously, Bielsa did sign off on that deal, and I'm sure, and he will have done because he signed off on, or he did do that. But what he'll have done, he's seen the videos we saw when he was a stone lighter. Yeah. You know, like, because when you saw those videos, he did look good. Um, that is obviously the worst one. Um, that I've seen lists going around on Twitter and stuff that have like, oh, all of these players are failures. And there's a lot of them where they're saying things like, you know, on the failures list, they'll have like Oliver Sarkic and Balboa and Hugo Diaz. And you're like, no, Chilino had gutted the academy. We needed bodies. They came in because sod all them and they left. Those players aren't bad signings, nor are they good signings. They're just signings. No, they, 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 were, they were designed to be there for a couple of years to allow the, 18s the, to the under-18s to step up into an actual team. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, look, you know, the players like Dario Meadows and Oliver Sarkic and that, yeah, like they've not really gone on to do anything. But By the way, Dario Meadows, I forgot that he existed. Wasn't he a youth <laughs> loan? Was he the youth loan from Roma? Yes, yes, he was. <laughs> um and, and, you know, there were, there were plenty of those, but um, it did also allow a number of our players to step up and get closer to our first team. Yeah. And in uh, that list of all of those kids, you know, those kids that were like nothing, it, you didn't really know whether they were going to do something, whether they were really going to be involved, uh, whether they were just there as makeweights. You only really needed one of them to be any good for it to be worth it and Pascal Strout probably made that worth it. Um there's a couple of other ones like Idaguchi didn't work out at all. We ruined that poor boy's career, but we made a profit on him. Yeah. Uh there's odd ones like who are like Kibitsky did not work at all. Um Lawrence de Bock that was a pretty awful one. <laughs> there's, there's, there's so many you can go because you know, you look in that time and the Chilino era had been so weird yeah. between that first year where, in my head, we had about 30 low knees. Half of them didn't even play. Zan Benedicic was fucked from about game two. Yeah. Edgar Chani apparently was a professional footballer. Who knew? Um, you know, the, the, the club was... Uh, the, the club wasn't in a state, but it was going nowhere. Yeah, you know, we we needed to try something. And do I think signing the man who, oh, what's he done? He won the league with Apoel Nicosia. Let's give him a go. Eh, probably not the best shout, but not by not by far. I mean, for you know, he wasn't the worst appointee for about four months. It looked like it was really going to work. Yeah, and then we played someone who finished in the top half of the table and it all fell to pieces. <laughs> um, you know, the, the one thing I, you know, the one thing you can never take away from, from him is the fact that that man went, why don't we go get Marcelo Bielsa? Or why don't we try? Yeah, and that is his defining thing. And it doesn't make... If you're honestly appraising him as like, how well did he do? In that sense, it doesn't cover for everything else. But in 10 years, when I'm looking back at it, that might cover for everything else. You know, once I've got distance and I'm less annoyed about it all. 
I might be looking back at it going, yeah, but without him, we don't get Bielsa. And those were, that's the best thing I've ever seen. And and again, if you, I know you have to take the whole picture. You absolutely have to. If you stop at promotion, he got Bielsa, they got Bielsa in and they backed him. Yeah. They got a striker that he wanted to work with. We got a left back in who seemed like a really good signing at the time in Barry Douglas and just didn't work out for us, but was, you know, a good signing. He was given what he needed, in certainly in the championship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we went out and could, in the championship, bearing in mind, you know, what's a Still not that long previously, we decided to spunk a million pounds on Luke Murphy. <laughs> and it was like, Leeds are back. You know, we were regularly spending fees to get players in at this point that were in excess of a million pounds. Yeah. We committed to spending 15 million pounds on Helder Costa. And, and, and again, That's another one of the ones. I've seen him on loads of lists as complete failure. Overpaid. Yeah, but he, he did a lot more than people remember in that championship promotion season. Uh, I, and first I... season in the Premier League, he did all right. And as we say, 15 million now, he's a squad player. Yeah. But he, he isn't a great signing or anything. Don't get, don't get twisted, but I don't think he's like a failure. No, absolutely not. And again, like you say, it's one of those... There's something weird going on there with this bit of... <laughs> Judging uh, by the comments. Uh, I've also... Mind you, I've seen, I'm seeing lists with Bamford on as a failure. It was 7 million. We scored, scored enough goals in the Championship that we got promoted and then scored enough goals in the Premier League to get in the England squad. For 7 million, that's not a failure. Yeah. It might be very, very much incomplete and might be fucking infuriating at some points when you're watching him, but it was, it's not a failure of a signing. No. Um, there's, there's, a, there's a lot that he will be hit over the head with, and, and some of it quite rightly. You cannot say after our first season in the Premier League, we've recruited well. You just no. can't. Um. No, that I don't. If you, I think that really, when you're looking at him, you're probably looking at him in two halves, aren't you? Yeah. Once you um, get past that first Premier League season, I think you can then say, from then on, he has done a bad job. Yeah. Um, you know, for, first season, he recruited. Uh, off the top of my head, you you know there was the there was the loan deals that were made permanent. Um. And then there's Rafinha, Cock, Urente, Rodrigo come in. And 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 again, there are certain failings with all of these players. You know, bizarrely in our worst season back so far, Rodrigo has probably been our second best player. Mm. Um Diego Urente and Liam Cooper formed a really solid partnership that first season. Every now and again, there'd be a suicidal pass in there from Urente, but for the most part, good, solid Premier League defender as he looked. Robin Cock, when he got fit, solid-looking Premier League defender. Um, Rafinha, best player in the world. You know, fantastic. Yeah. Um, 
And it, and uh, there's, a, there's a comment here from Ali that I want to bring up right quick. Uh, I suspect Auto just looks on the database at play stats without going to watch them play and see whether they have some fight in the game. I believe that there is a thing that he does the most air miles of like any of them. So I think I that know. he does go and watch him play. But what I think is he's not good at judging those intact, you know, that. And I don't think he's good at judging a player's personality when he talks to him. Yeah. I, I I think that we get to the same point just in a different way. I think he looks at how good they are technically and stuff, and he sees, you know, Mark Rocker's progressive passing stats and things like that. But he maybe doesn't see, well, how come then, even though we had those at Bayern, how come they never give him a shot? And maybe it's because he just doesn't he just doesn't quite stand up to it enough. And he doesn't quite have, for lack of a better term, the fucking guts to do it. And... Yeah, there there are many positive qualities I see in Brendan Aronson. Yeah, well, that he's man... passing stats off the charts, and he was recruiting for Jesse Marsh. Yeah, that man does not have the physicality for this level right now. No. Now again, whether whether he has a Jack Harrison summer, puts on fifteen pounds of muscle, and and has his you know has a well a really attractive girlfriend. I don't know about mm. Brendan Aronson. Um, but whether he can come back to a, to the Premier League and and reach that level that he needs to, but again, like he's not up to it. He does not stand up to the physicality of it. No, he um, needs a stone in muscle, doesn't he? Like, yeah. Um, the, the the one you can look at this well I suppose I suppose there's two that I, I would say he's he's got right this season Tyler Adams has been a fantastic signing don't compare him to Calvin Phillips they are not the same player no. Tyler Adams is, was was a really good signing and the other one in it was in January was Max Berber who was yeah. very needed and uh, I know that it, I know that they signed him in a way that they didn't mean to but I think you've got to give him Nonto. Yeah, as well, and and, and, again, I, that... and I am willing to and I am willing to give him, I am still willing to give him Sinistera, even though we did have injury problems at Feyenoord, because again, at this in the Premier League, seventeen million that was probably a risk worth taking. Yeah, I, I mean the, I, th- I think, but the, here comes the other side to that is that you think, oh well, we you know we went out and got Nonto. But we did also have the arrogance of thinking, well, we'll wait till January to sign him because I'm going to bring in Cody Gakpo. And that was yeah. never going to happen. It became very clear very quickly. He was. Well, can you remember join... when, that story, when that story came out? Oh, we're yeah. getting Gakpo. And I was like, well, why would he come here? He'll have Real Madrid knocking on his door next week. Yeah, he's, he's about to go play in a World Cup. He will be in a shop window. Yeah. And, and lo and behold... Yeah, <laughs> that lad had a decent World Cup, and he's now at Liverpool making a, a shed load of cash. Um, I, I must admit, I believe that they had a bid accepted, or at least close enough to accepted that they got to talk to him. But I don't believe that was anywhere near as close as the as the club made out. Do, do you think? I think that the whole oh, it was like ninety six percent done. I think is just a straight up fucking lie told for oh. PR reasons. In the same way that I put it this way, I think we're a lot closer to getting to Ketelair than we were back than we were Gakpo. And I don't think we're that close to getting to Ketelair. 
do you think with Kakpo it was a football manager case of the bid has been accepted, the agent just says, yeah, he's no. not interested. Your only <laughs> option is walk away. He's like, can't I try and throw some money at him? No. No. No, your no, money I is think... not good to me. No, I think it was the one-off that. You know, where it let you offer him something, but you could offer him max everything and they just say no. Like, I think we probably... I reckon that we probably did meet all his demands financially. Hmm. If he said I want 120 grand a week, I say I dare say we went, yeah, sure. But he he will have just gone, no, I can go higher up the food chain than this. Yeah. Um, I, I, by the way, I, just because this has come up, Ali saying I wish we bought Kefflin Taram. I remember you saying that ages ago because I had no idea who he is. And when you said that you wanted him, I said, but he, you know, like Marcus Taram's a winger, and why would he come here? And then you said, no, there's another one. Hmm. And then I've looked into him, and he does look fucking. He looks like a great player. Fair put, good shout. Um, Right, so you've got him about a C. I reckon probably the same. I reckon that's fair. If you after the first, if if Bielsa had gone at the end, you know, like we always say, if Bielsa had gone after the first season in Premier League and just walked away, you could have almost said it was tunnel just before yeah. full time. And if Alter had done it the exact same summer, you'd probably be going, no, he did a really good job. But overall, but and I also still think. If it wasn't for him, you know, shouting a hey, sack of the board, all of that shit in the crowd, and but the fa- I think that that's one of the big problems. I think we'd all be a lot more forgiving if he wasn't being such a twat. And there's a lot to be said for that. When it's going badly, shut up. You have to, even if something that's being said on Twitter or the, if the crowd turns and it, you don't think it's fair, you just kind of have to shut up for a bit. Unless someone's saying something really horrible, if someone's threatening you or something like that, that's different. But if the crowd chanting sack the board, well, the crowd is well within the right to chant sack the board, even if he thinks it's unfair. I mean, that also, Kate, because that was after the Bournemouth game, wasn't it? Because we'd, we'd, won, we'd won two out of the first three, and then we didn't win a game for two months. Yeah, the the it was it got chanted at like three one down against Bournemouth, and the comeback yeah. happened. And then and then the comeback came. Uh, I was about to call it, it came back. Then uh, mm. the comeback happened. Well, it was in the past past tense. Came back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, at that point, you kind of look and go right, but we we still ended up in the three you know three one down because of the fragility of these players that you've kind of grouped together here. Uh, I know the strings behind, but it was weird. You said the words 3-1 and Chelsea scored. Yeah. <laughs> um, and at that point, you should bear in mind, this is the first, what was it, back end of November? Or, it's November anyway. We, it's, we bet, yeah, because it's just I before we won, the like, first week in September. Didn't win in October. And then um, there's Anfield and that Bournemouth game. Back to yeah. back. So... At this point, you, you you've won far out of. I'm not even going to do that. You've won far out of, let's say, 15 games. It's probably yeah. not a bad shout in terms of the league. It's probably not a bad shout for that. Yeah, it's not great. No, this is not the time for you to be going. Ah, see, look, I told you. So. It be again. It would be as if Chile. Um, it's not Chile. No, Brad Rosani actually turned up last season. I started singing Adam Farshaw's name after we'd won a game. Like, right, I know he has played well here. This is a bigger issue than this. Yeah. Um, 
And, and look, I, I'm all for a man who is passionate about his job. I am all for it. As a, as a Leeds fan, we love people who love it. That That's great. Yeah. But you have to have that self-awareness of this is not the time. Um, there is a lack of self-awareness. I mean, like, Radrizani and Kadir quite often as well have shown quite a bit of a lack of self-awareness with some things they've said and some things they've done. Um, yeah, and, and... it's probably worth mentioning that uh, before we get on to the probable head coach change tomorrow. Uh, Rad's sending that DM that he obviously wants to get out to is it Conor McGilligan uh, saying, um, This is shit and it's my fault, and you don't deserve and you all don't deserve this. Um, I mean, I—I'll be honest. I'd rather he just didn't bother, because yeah, it is, and you would do like here's what, when I always say it, it's on Auto the most. Radrizani obviously employs Auto, so he's sort of responsible for him. But Auto's the football guy. I, as much as I don't want to, as much as he's pissed me off, I aren't going to blame the business guy for football decisions that much. Hmm. When he's not invested enough and stuff like that, that you can blame him for. But the actual footballing decisions, I think, have to stay there. But him putting out something like that, it's as if he's trying to push it away. Like, oh, no, I'm just like you. I didn't see this coming. And the problem is, how did you not see it coming? Because we all did. We told you. We did. And then that's it. And again, it comes back to last season when... We all knew we needed another centre mid. We all knew we needed a backup striker because Bamford was going to get injured. Lo and behold, things happened. Yeah. And then he puts his, you know, he puts his in my head Adam Forshaw with the sunglasses emoji. Yeah. Um. You know, you you can't turn around and pull the shot Pikachu face then when <laughs> it doesn't work out. Yeah. Like, you. I clearly he, the man loves a glass of Merlot or something. When you have a glass, just put your phone the other side of the room. Yeah, it's easy, and it's just asking for trouble because there's no winning. No, if you're doing brilliant, like when we literally got promoted, I said on our golf course video because it's the only thing you could do during COVID. Uh, I said, you know, thank you. To, I said, thank you, Victor Orta, thank you, Andrea Radrizani. And then went, and then probably just said, I love Marcelo Bielsa and think he's the greatest person who's ever lived and want him to adopt me and raise me, raise me as his own and all of that stuff. But that's as much credit as you're going to get as an owner. Yeah, you have done, you, you have want... done well, thank you. You've done, but if it, you, you're you doing can, what you should be doing. Yeah, you can't expect them to be singing your name every week. It's weird if you're singing the owner's name every week. I mean, it was weird when Chelsea were doing it for Roman Abramovich. It was very weird. I still think the weirdest one I've seen is Wolves fans singing for George Mendes. That's the weirdest one I've seen. You're cheering for an agent. That's weird. (laughs) I I mean, and you're also talking about... But he did do a good job for them. (laughs) You're also talking about a club who, you know, very historically sang the name of the chairman and oh it went so horribly wrong yeah and we sort We've of had a dis- 
And then we sort of had a distrust of owners, apart from a group of people who seem to like Chilino far more than they ever should have done, which I never quite yeah. understood, but that's that's for a different time. Um, you know, I got we, I got that for a couple of months. I could get it for a couple of months because he was different and he sort of he had a bit of fuck it about him, and he'd just say things, and that's charming for a bit. <laughs> but you know, so, so, so we are a club that that has been burned before. So yeah, we're always going to be a bit wary of of who owns us, you know, as as much as as much as any other club. Um. So if you're doing your job, good. Don't tell us about it. Just keep doing it. Yeah. Except people meeting you outside the ground, shaking your hand and saying, uh, pleased to meet you. You might even get a thank you. That's as good as it's getting. They're not going to treat you like a football person. No. Because you're not. And that's just the way, that's the way it's supposed to be. So back to football people. Uh, We set one up for tonight because we thought that this would be done. And to be honest, I'm very surprised it isn't. But all the the stories are saying this is all going to get announced tomorrow morning and it's done. I mean, have you listened to the uh, Phil Hay podcast today? Uh, The one, well, today is Tuesday, isn't it? So the the Monday club. The 15 minute one from yesterday. Uh, Yes, I have. Yeah, a very tough to sack a man around his birthday. As it turns out, with Harry Graffier. Um bless him. So they have left it to tomorrow. Yeah, uh, where where Harry oh, it at eleven o'clock at night. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's when the Allardyce thing came out, and there it is. We've slipped his name out there for the first time. I uh, avoided saying it. Um. So yeah, in the morning, sounds like Graffier's gone. Uh, Graffier has made some decisions I liked early on. He has made plenty that I don't like. He has been the, too negative, all of that stuff. I I sort of nothing, Javi Graffia. It's not his fault, really. Uh, it's, it's like the big, obviously, there are much bigger things than him going on. Yeah. I Part of me thinks that man is suffering from PTSD from the Crystal Palace game or something. Like, he just seems to have been... I still think something happened at halftime. I, I, I can't think... I've spent ages thinking about it. I cannot think of another reason. Whether it was a ru- the fight that was rumoured or something like that, or whether it was something else, something happened at half-time in that game. Hmm. Um, but, you know, it's it's that way. Do you, do you think... And I, was, I was thinking about this earlier. Do you think the... The Wolves' performance was sort of a a warning as to what was to come in terms of the way we felt, we felt a, bit a bit for a little bit. Yeah. You know, yeah, and I think it was. Yeah, I, I was just looking at it going, that's oh, weird how we did. Oh. Because uh. that went 3-0 to 3-2 very quickly, and they should have probably scored again. Yeah. And then we get one in like the 96th minute. I, yeah, I think that was probably a warning. Because um, there was plenty of people saying that the underlying numbers weren't good and stuff under him. But to be at that point in the situation we were in, I didn't really care about that. But well, this no. mentally falling apart thing in this kind of situation is you know, just... You, you can't have it. No. I, I looked and... Cause 
I got to go to the Southampton game, and and watching it, it was very championship. Yeah, like <laughs> strange, strangely for two teams near the bottom. Um, <laughs> you were watching this game where it's like we are we are in control of this game, but we're not really creating a whole lot. Yeah, like. Like, if we'd have lost that game, it would have been criminal. Yeah. But in terms of what we it could created, have but in terms of what we actually created from that game, it wasn't a whole lot. No, because that's the one that Furpo scuffs in, isn't it? Yeah. Hero, Junior Furpo. Yeah. Um, and the, I think the one game where you look where, where you, I think he completely got it right was the Brighton game because that's, that's where a lot of fans got on it, got on at the team because we weren't pressing them. Yeah. But the plan to stand off there works like a two all draw against Brighton was a really good result for us. Yeah. And that started off. We got the point there. We got the win at Southampton and we lost to Chelsea. You, you picked up the points in the game. You know, we won the game. We should have won. We got a, a good point against a good team and we lost to, a seven billion pound team at this point, or whatever it costs. Yeah. Um, it's a shame we couldn't face this Chelsea, we'd have beat this Chelsea, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and again, like up until half time at the Crystal Palace game, you kind of looked at the results and went, Well, these have all pretty much gone as you how they should. You know, we, we we beat teams we should have beat, we'd beaten, you know, we beat Forest, um, beat Southampton, and who else did we beat round then? Um, and, and you know we got a couple of draws, and then we lost to Arsenal. No shame in that. That they, they, they were uh, they had not yet bottled it. Again, if we'd have played Arsenal a couple of weeks ago, we might have got a point against them. <laughs> that run of three draws they got. Um, but my word, when it fell apart, it was. It, it's gone quick, hasn't it? Like out of nowhere, and and again, like I, there are certain you know we talked we talked earlier about the the, the the changes you could have made during a game, and 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 look, I I wish we had I wish Grafia was a manager that when we were losing games that had a bit of a no fuck it we need to go for this we need to go get some points yeah. here that that clearly wasn't his style, but you also have to beg it begs the questions certain ones about him and his lack of inclusion of Nomto up until yeah last week and bringing him off in games fairly early there was there's, i think there's something that's there's more to that yeah the, the the fact that we have this 35 million pound striker now whether he's actually worth 35 million is is obviously up for debate but you, you, be a short you, debate and the no would win. <laughs> you, you have this striker on your bench who, for all these games we've been losing, very rarely made an appearance. Yeah, and yet, you know, we spoke about it with the with the Fulham game. He he played the majority, if not all, of that FA Cup game. Had a good game and was really unlucky not to get a goal from that game. Was Ritter, yeah. but since. Liverpool, there's been sight and the sound of him. He's just yeah. on the bench. So, I did say on Twitter, admittedly I've had a couple of beers, so I was a bit bolder. I did say after the Bournemouth game, you know what, fuck it, I think I would sack him. And it's just because I was looking at us thinking, 
And I said this after um, the Liverpool game. If we keep defending like this, we might not get another point. And obviously, we did get one against Leicester. But I definitely couldn't see us getting another win. I definitely couldn't see us getting another win. By the sounds of it, nor could anyone else. Um, no, I, I, and the I reason that... that I was thinking, sod it, let's just sack him and do something a bit mental and hope to get through on vibes is because I don't have a better idea. And gun to my head, do I think Javi Gracia could get more than more than one point from these four games? No, I don't. No, so I kind of, I don't mind, even though it's a ridiculous time to sack someone, I'm, I can sort of see why. The I mean with, with Grathia, clearly we weren't as potent going forward, and that is saying something because famously we created chances under Marsh that we did not take. Yeah, no, it's one thing to uh, give him but, like but, we did. We 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 did. I would. I'm not sure the word is created, but we definitely had chances. Yeah, um, but we also weren't set up so defensively solid that you thought, well, if we're not creating anything, at least we'll hold the whole teams out. Um, and ultimately, like, I don't know, but if you decided for the last four games, right, we need some points, we're just going for it. We yeah. can't defend our way out of this situation, so we might as well use the strengths that we have, focus on Harrison, Nonto, Somerville, Bamford and Rodrigo, and hope to God they can outscore West Ham. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that, uh, there is as valid a tactic as any. There's a comment in here. It's again, it's Brenda's ghost. Can see us beating Spurs. To be fair, Spurs Spurs are so mental that maybe. <laughs> um, you know, that I, I text radio. I text into Radio Leeds after the game, and I, and I just finished wow. it with. I know, right? Big time fight, and it got read out. Wow, it must have been, no, I was thinking it must have been years since you've done something like that. Oh, God, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and and it was just a case of, Gratia needs to go. This is failing miserably. I don't know what you replace him with, but but it can't keep being this. Well, when and, and, you and at looked point, at it, was one of your joke answers, Big Sam? <laughs> my Like, in my head, it was like, Right, Cooper, Forshaw, and Dallas. Just I, I legitimately did say Adam Forshaw on Twitter. Like, Admittedly, I've had a few beers. Do you just have the three senior leaders in the team and just think, right, let them choose the 11 that are... And even if it includes themselves. Mm. Admittedly, if Stuart Dallas picked himself at this stage, I would have mm. to question that. But, you know, pick the 11 lads you look at every day in the changing room and think, they are up for this fight. Who do you want in a? Who do you want in the battle with? Yeah, Darko JV. Like, yeah. get him and ten others. Stand by. Uh, <laughs> like, do do I think Sam Allardyce can make a difference at this point? Who fucking knows? Could... I, I, I'll go as far as saying I do not think <laughs> this is going to help, but I am a bit in. Ah. Like, <laughs> between Newcastle, West Ham and Spurs, could we George Graham our way to three points between those three games and just somehow stay up through three draws and one defeat? 
what I would say is, you know, if um, if Leicester had just hired Sam Allardyce with four games left, <laughs> my my brain would be saying they're going to get six fucking points. Here. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. You never think that well, about your own team, like, do you? It, it, no, it wouldn't be a logical thing. Like logically, that doesn't make any sense. I watched that West Brom team he took over. They, I mean, they were bad before he took them over, and he made them much worse. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'd argue that, that <laughs> I think they had a worse squad than we did. Yeah, that's but, probably fair. But, yeah, well, no, that's not even probably fair. That's definitely fair. Um, if if he can get them to be a solid enough defense. Look, there, there is absolutely no reason why this group of players aren't, and this is absolutely just on paper, there is absolutely no reason why they can't beat West Ham. Yeah, other, I, the, West, West the, Ham have got a better squad than us, the, but it's not such a big difference that it's not possible the, to beat. There are, there are Newcastle and Man City I am pretty much writing off. There is a team pressing to win the title and a, pre, a team pressing to qualify for the Champions League for the first time since 2003. Yeah, Newcastle but, is possible but unlikely. Man City, you know, they, they say you should never say never. I'm saying never. <laughs> Like in, I the words think, of, I think, in the words of Chris Rock. <laughs> like, I think Allardyce should do the training this week. I don't think he should be at the Man City game. Skip that one. Start at Newcastle. No, be there. Just, just, I want him to, one of the things I want him to do, because he is good at this, I want him to spend half of his time just doing set pieces. Because that is one thing that he is, there is a body of evidence. He's good at that. Yeah. Um, do that. I, I could I could easily see Sam Greenwood being in the team for that very reason. Yeah. Because he'll be playing for set pieces and that's our best chance of him. I could really see that being the case. Um, so, I've sort of got it as a couple of questions in here. Did you have any faith that Javi Gracia would get the necessary points? No. Do you think we have a better chance with four games of Big Sam? Yeah. Not a good chance, a better no. one. I think we do. Um, <laughs> I'd, the, the thing, the thing with our setup for for even when we play, even when we won games, is that we were still a very passive team. Mm. You know, it just it just consisted of drop and drop, drop a bit more. Now Brendan Aronson steps up, drop. Um, and I ne- and I never quite understood that it, it it you know it worked for Brighton that having Aronson and and Bamford press at very specific triggers, yeah. But there, there were times when we 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 dropped, but we weren't hard to play through. Yeah, and that's a problem. It's like, <laughs> and 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 I I think Allardyce can certainly instill that whether he can instill it well enough in this short space of time to make a difference i don't know I, ultimately i i think you are preparing this team for west ham in a couple of weeks is what you are is what he's yeah. preparing this I team mean, for i i definitely think as much as we are at a stage of the season where you cannot write off games you can't but i am still writing off man city away <laughs> Because 
I, I look, I genuinely, I, I genuinely would not be shocked if that game finishes eight now. Like, I, I wouldn't. The, the, I th- uh, the thing with Newcastle is, and, and, and we have showed it this season, that if you, uh, uh, there was luck to this as well. Melier had a great game. Kieran Trippier, for whatever reason, decided he couldn't put a cross in for love no money that day. Mm. But th- there, there is the off chance that they won't perform and Leeds will maybe lift themselves maybe for an they'll occasion. get a bit nervous because they're chasing the Champions League. And stuff yeah, like um, and and you know you can't legislate for that going into a game. <laughs> bit difficult for Leeds to take eight points for the next four games. If we get eight points for the next four games. I think that's less likely than is getting nine. Because <laughs> that eight points involves at least a draw away at Man City. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Um, I, who knows? Because I, I look at all the teams around us, I look at their fixtures, and I keep thinking... I've stopped looking. <laughs> I, I keep thinking West Ham are surely going to burn out at some point, that this is a lot of football they're playing in stressful situations in a sh- in a short space of time, surely they are going to burn out at some point. But they seem to have hit decent form. Um, I do, you know, it's bad that I'm even looking at Southampton's fixtures. They they are with goal difference, essentially seven points from safety. No, I I think Southampton are dead. I am willing to say that, but I think it's it's. It's two from the other four, and I genuinely think of those we have most likely to go down. Of those four. Like, I do. I want to be wrong. I'm dying to be wrong. I will be so happy if I'm wrong. But, you know, actually, I'll be really happy on the day, and then I think the day after. It won't be like last when we stayed up at Brentford last season. I was happy about that for weeks. I think if we do it this time, I'll be really happy on the day it happens, and then I'll just yeah. go back to being annoyed at how mismanaged it's been. So, we both think, I think with, you know, with much of a muchness, I don't think bringing in Allardyce is going to change really anything about its chances. You think slightly better. I definitely don't think it's gone down, which is why I'm not upset about it, really. There's the annoyances and everything. But if you take a step back and look at it, you know, from above, imagine this is a virtual club. This isn't Leeds United. This is just a football club. Going from Marcelo Bielsa to Sam Allardyce in 14 months is (laughs) pretty much the most objectively fucking hilarious thing a football club could do. Oh, dear. Like, uh, have you seen these? He can't even have Sammy Lee as his assistant. Is it Sammy Lee, no, Sammy Lee is on jury duty. <laughs> and obviously, when it's only a four-week job, if you're out for two weeks, <laughs> that's that. No, it has been said, apparently his assistant is going to be Carl Robinson, you know, the ex-MK Dons, Oxford United boss, who's been linked with us a billion times. Mm. Uh, he has been brought in. And have you seen the, uh, the rumoured contract for Allardyce? No. Four games, half a million quid. If we stay up, two and a half million bonus. And you know what? It's good money if you can Fuck get it. it. If if we stay up, give him it. Fine. Yeah. Whatever. And I I hope there's a bit of me hopes. Do you know? Because this is the funniest way for it to happen. 
we get like two points that are both complete shit out and undeserved, and we stay up with it. I mean, he he doesn't win a game and gets three billion quid for four games. Yeah. Just. Um. Be, sorry, Bielsa to Allardyce is nearly as bad as O'Leary to Wise. In terms of as a person, O'Leary to Wise is definitely worse. In terms of footballing styles, I would argue it's a big. This is a bigger. Mm. <laughs> um. Right. Um. We have. If 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 Aldas keeps us up, I'll vote for him as prime minister. Better than what we've got. Um, so yeah, because I tell you what, this... he strikes well, me as a real. He strikes me as really, really liberal and lefty. Does uh, Allardyce? <laughs> why did he lose the England job again? He was just. He was just trying to get around some rules, mate. Um, yeah, listen, cat, cat... listen. <laughs> so are so are they all during COVID. So are they all. Yeah. So, um, we have done a long podcast here. I figured that that would happen. Um, we are in better spirits than I thought we'd be. We should probably cut it here and then do a shorter one later in the week to talk about yeah. Man City. And this will have all been confirmed and we'll probably have a bit more to say. Um, so, right now, gun to your head, do we stay up? Fuck it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, not no, no. Uh, but I like I adm- I like the optimism, mate. So uh, that will do us for episode two hundred and fourteen of the Mighty White's podcast. I've been Jack. See you. I mean, Casey, have a good one. In a bit. Come on, 